Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. I'm your host, Kate Sale, certified professional dog trainer, coming to you from Forward Radio 1065 FM, broadcasting from the historic Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. We are in the middle of our pledge drive, running from March 27th through April the 9th. Your donations help keep our grassroots radio station on the air. So go to our website, forwardradio.org, and support radio by the people for the people. We have just a couple of days left, so while you're enjoying this program, make that donation today to keep us on the air tomorrow. Today I'm welcoming back Jackie Claxton, Medical Services Supervisor with the Kentucky Humane Society, and we're going to be talking about Ethan. Ethan is a very special dog that was closely followed by the entire Louisville community for his incredible story after he was dropped off at the Kentucky Humane Society's main campus in what can only be described as horrible near-death shape. And Jackie, you were there the day that he was brought in. Yes, yes, I was there when he first came in. He was dropped off right next to our adoptions entrance and was outside for around like 20 minutes from what we can gather from security cameras and a good Samaritan that had come up to donate some supplies, saw him laying there and notified our staff. And then um, somebody came out from our staff and brought him immediately over to the vet area. Um, while we were eating lunch and we stopped and got up and immediately started working on him. So when you brought him in, I know that he kind of was immediately triaged. And what was, I guess, what you noticed about him first? My first thought when I saw him, um, because when they rushed him in, he was covered with a white towel uh, and I was like, why are they rushing this dead dog in here? Because he looked dead. Um, He was skeletal and he looked like he was stiff. He was cold. His body temp wouldn't even register on a thermometer. Um, Once we figured out that he was in fact alive, we began just doing everything. You don't really think about it. You just go into emergency mode. And so we started getting supplies to try to place an IV catheter and getting heating pads ready. And we're warming up fluid bags. We had every microwave in this place taken up heating heating pads for him so we could bring that body temperature up. But I've never seen a dog so close to death as he was and still be alive. Was he aware of what was going on? Did any of this seem to register to him at all? Surprisingly, he was pretty aware. He would look at us. He didn't have the strength to lift his head, but you, he was looking at us and we could tell that the lights were on in there. And especially once we started getting him warmed back up, he was pretty immediately interested in food and water. So he had been without for so long, he was ready to eat, which was encouraging for us, but we were still just like, this is the worst shape we've seen from like a starvation case. 
So we were cautiously optimistic, but still didn't have a lot of hope that he would survive. So what were your expectations, kind of your plans for him, at least uh, in the immediate timeline after you brought him in and got him warmed up? Well, the first, yeah, after getting him warmed up, the first thing that we wanted to do was make sure he had an IV catheter and so we could start giving him fluids because he was severely dehydrated. You have to be careful when you feed these dogs that have been starving for so long because they can have something called refeeding syndrome. So we were trying to be careful with the, the amount of food we were feeding him, but your your mind and your heart just tells you you need to feed this baby. He's so hungry. So those were our main concerns, just stabilizing him a bit. We had to actually place several different IV catheters because it was difficult to even hit a vein on him. And he's a very large dog. Typically that would be pretty easy to get a catheter in, but because he was in such poor shape, we were having to use catheters that are usually meant for like puppies and kittens because they're smaller and we just could not get the appropriate size catheter in him. So he was definitely a challenge as far as getting him stable. And he weighed, if I remember, 38 pounds when he first came in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But as you already said, he is not a small dog. No, he is not. We could tell just, and honestly, it was hard to tell his breed with him being in that bad of shape because he was skeletal and he was also extremely dirty. Um, at one point we had taken a bowl of water cause we were just like, we just want to bathe him, but we don't want to get him cold. So what do we do? So we just kind of started giving him like a sponge bath essentially. And just from bathing one paw, the milk turned the color of chocolate milk. He was that dirty. So he had obviously been kept somewhere where he was not able to get out of his own feces and urine cause he was covered in it. So as far as like his size, we could tell by his paws that he was a very large breed dog. But other than that, we couldn't really guess, but we knew he probably should be in the at least 80 to 90 pound range. So he was half, if not a third of the size that he should have been. Yes. So with something like that, it's one thing to know what to do. It's probably another thing to actually have to face it and put your hands on it in a situation that's that extreme. Yeah, it's definitely a first for me in the severity of it. I mean, we do see emergencies come in and do have to like take action immediately. So that's not anything new. And we do see animals, unfortunately, quite frequently that have suffered at the hands of people so that's that also is not new what they don't really prepare you for like in books or in school is just how it's going to impact you because you can see it a million times on Facebook or the TV or anything like that but seeing something like that in person and being very involved in it really like makes it weigh heavy on you. So Ethan went home with you that first night. Yes, we 
definitely wanted to have him go home with somebody that was comfortable handling his issues that he was having because it's not something that just anyone would be able to tackle he was on IV fluids all night his catheters kept getting displaced and so what I actually had to put in a new catheter while he was at my house so it was definitely a more advanced medical fostering situation Um, I was having to get up every couple hours to feed him he actually ended up having to go to the ER in the middle of the night. I'd woken up at one of the later feedings I did, and he wouldn't eat as much for me. Whereas during the day, he had eaten like really good, had a, a good appetite, and I was barely able to get him to like lick the bowl a couple times. So that worried me, but I was just like, we'll just see how he is the next time I wake up. And when I got up the next time to feed him again, he was, it was not like seizing, but kind of that rhythmic twitching. Mm -hmm. And so he was doing that. He was not conscious of my presence at that time. Um, So at that point, I called Dr. Bewley and asked her what she wanted me to do. And she said to rush him to an ER So two o'clock in the morning, I'm loading him up in my car, taking him to the ER. And the whole time I just have my hand on his face in my back seat, just making sure he's still breathing and still with me because I was so worried about him. And he stayed at the ER for several days. He came in on a Friday. So he was there from Friday until, well, I guess technically it was Saturday morning till Wednesday during the day. And what kind of care was he getting at the ER? So I dropped him off at two in the morning. And then that day, like the afternoon, Dr. Bewley checked in on him and they had actually done lab work to see what his blood chemistry looked like. And he was having an electrolyte imbalance, which was causing some of those symptoms that I was seeing. So at that point, he needed specialized fluids that that hospital didn't have so we had to contact a few different places to get special fluids for him and um, had a lot of people pull through by this time people were pretty aware of his story so we had a lot of help and he had to be on the specialized fluids and was having to be hand fed every couple hours so just some real close monitoring and specialized care So he was basically in like an ICU type situation. So after he made it through that first night and seemed to be doing okay, at what point did it look like he was going to maybe make it through all of this? I think at the point that Dr. Bewley thought maybe he's got a a chance was that Sunday. So it was kind of two days after he came into our care she was able to visit him at the ER they were able to get him up standing with assistance and he started making the movements like he was trying to walk so I think at that point she let herself feel hopeful and she kept us really well informed as to what his status was and um we obviously with seeing stuff like this all the time we have to 
harden our hearts a bit and not get super invested emotionally in things or else we would be burnt out pretty quickly. So I think it around that point is when all of us kind of breathed a sigh of relief and we were like, okay, maybe he's going to do okay. But it was still that thought in the back of your mind, like, I don't know, he's still really sick. So we were still unsure, but at least let ourselves hope at that point. Now, eventually he was well enough to leave the ER and come back to KHS. And I know there was a pretty big celebration about that kind of feeling like he turned a corner, was ready to leave the ICU essentially and come back to recover with us a little bit more. Yeah. So that was a fun day because like we got to set up his whole room that he was staying in and um, just actually get to spend time with him because we didn't know who he was as a dog. We had only seen just like a small glimpse of who he was going to be. It took him a long time to get to where he actually did dog things because he was in survival mode. So all he's worried about is eating and drinking and sleeping. And that's what we let him do. That's what he needed. So when he came back that first day, he slept pretty much the whole day apart from when we would wake him up to eat. But we would just turn the lights off in his room and just let him sleep. And that's what his body needed because later that night is when he started walking on his own. And when we come back, we're going to talk all about how this boy got back on his feet. You are here with Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society on Forward Radio 106.5. And we will be back after a short break with some original music by John 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 Slater. are listening to Forward Radio 106.5 FM. Welcome back to Sit, Stay, Listen. I am talking to Jackie Claxton, Medical Services Supervisor with the Kentucky Humane Society, telling us all about Ethan's arrival and recovery at KHS. I remember seeing that first video of him walking on social media and definitely burst into tears. (laughs) And (laughs) It was really such a such a special moment. I think for everybody, one, it was really nice to to cry some happy tears after the yeah. year I think that everybody's had. But I think also for for so many of us to get to share that incredible moment for him. Now I know a lot of his condition had to do with huge amounts of muscle loss. 
So that was yeah. a big part of what he was working through was getting his muscle mass back. Yes, that and for a time we were concerned about possible neurological issues because like I said, he had had that like twitching going on when I had taken him to the ER. He was still showing a little bit of that for a few days after and just some neurological deficits with walking and eating. It was like he was not very aware of where his body parts were in relation to the rest of the world. So he's clumsy and kind of rough when he would eat just because he doesn't realize the like amount of pressure he needs to apply to eat something. And it's just those small neurological deficits that we weren't sure if those were going to go away. But gradually as he started to get healthier, we started seeing him just be more normal and not have such clumsiness like he was having and he turned out to be just an amazing sweet silly dog from what I could see from a lot of his videos and from talking to the rest of y'all over at main campus he is just a goofball he is he's a puppy in like a 90 pound body like for sure he's just goofy and when he comes to see us he's still gets so excited and just comes up to us with his mouth hanging open and just like throws his body into you and he's just a great dog I've never met another dog like him really when a dog goes through something like that that sort of physical trauma what are some of the potential long-term impacts some of the long-term damage that can result from something like that oh just like with people when they suffer from starvation there can be effects like long lasting on like your heart and other internal organs I mean there could be the potential for muscle issues luckily he's not having any of those things from what we can tell he's turned into a big beefy boy now but there's also like the psychological effects that something like that situation could have and of course we were concerned from like a behavior standpoint is he going to be scared of us is he going to like what's he gonna be like because when they're that sick you don't know what their personality is how they feel about things so and we didn't know his background like how did he end up that way what happened to him before he came to us. So it was just a lot of unknowns, but luckily he's just a fighter and he turned out to be extremely sweet. And I feel like that's kind of a lot of these animals that we see in rough shape that you know that they've not been treated well and they turn out to be the sweetest animals. And I'm like, you wouldn't think you would trust people anymore after what they've done to you but they still trust and they still love and it's amazing to see that on the other side of it it doesn't look like you're expecting any long-term effects from what he's been through I know from talking to the rest of our behavior team he's doing great we're not seeing any concerning behavior out of him he's happy social doing beautifully with other dogs. He's doing beautifully with humans. And he 
from everything we can see is walking away from this situation a surprisingly normal happy healthy guy yeah and especially like when he had his adoption ceremony and we were all lined up we were like what's he gonna do is he gonna be scared because most dogs would be a little bit frightened with that many people there cheering for them and he just got out of Jeff's truck and was just like all my friends are here and was so excited and running over to the line of people he's just an amazing dog yeah he Jeff said he just absolutely loved it he's definitely one of a kind I think for a lot of us the most striking thing about Ethan's story is how much attention he got and the extent to which not just Louisville but really the entire country And even people internationally got so invested in his story and rallied around him. And for those of us that work in animal welfare, his case, while it's absolutely incredible and relatively extreme, is unfortunately not that unusual. And I think a lot of us have been wondering and kind of trying to figure out what made Ethan and his story so different. Yeah, we're not exactly sure what about him in particular just captivated people, for lack of a better word. He is definitely inspirational. I feel like people just want something to feel good about. And his story, while it starts out very sad, it is a really good story with a good happy ending. We got donations, not just from people in Louisville, but from people all over the country and all over the world. And while Ethan's care definitely had significant cost to it, the support we received far exceeded that. And while all of those donations absolutely went to help Ethan, I think that his legacy is all of the help and all of the support that he provided for so many other animals, those that were there when he was still there, but so many animals that are going to come after him that are and will be in desperate need of help. So he really has created a legacy for hundreds of other animals coming after him. And I think an incredible rejuvenation of awareness for the issues that face animals in our communities. Yeah, he definitely has sparked a lot of inspiration and hopefully change in Kentucky's animal abuse laws. He's a little bit of a poster child for that right now. And yeah, like you said, his legacy is allowing us to help other animals that otherwise we couldn't have helped. Because we do see a lot of these like medical cases and things that we know we would be able to help, but there's not always the resources to do it. So all the donations, not just like monetary donations, but donations of food and toys and bedding and everything that people have donated to us in Ethan's name has gone to help 
so many more animals. And I do think that that is important to note. We know that not everybody is able to donate financially, but we always need things like old blankets, cat litter, pet food, even things that we often think of as trash, like empty toilet paper or paper towel rolls. There are so many things that we use and are so incredibly grateful for at the Humane Society. You can find our wish list with all of these items on our website, kyhumane.org, under the Ways to Give tab if you want to check that out. I know that one of the really special things about our veterinary team is that you all see everything from a lot of really simple cases, spay and neuter, you do things like trim nails, give basic vaccines, but you see incredible and complex cases and extreme cases all the way through cases like Ethan's and everything in between. And all of the resources that have brought in by the attention, thanks to Ethan, have really enabled you to take so many more of these more complex cases. And I've seen some incredible things coming across our Facebook page Recently, we have two cats, Debonair and Slash, that have needed some very special veterinary care. Yeah, so we're able to help animals like that, that we wouldn't necessarily be able to because we have so much support from Ethan. We've honestly taken in quite a few medical cases here recently that are a bit more involved than we usually would be able to handle just because we do know we're able to financially get those animals the care that they need. So even though Ethan is now happily home, all of the support that the community showed him is still hard at work at the shelter. And speaking of Ethan being happy at home, be sure to tune in next week. I'll be talking to Jeff Calloway, and Jeff is Ethan's foster turned permanent adopter. He's going to be talking to us about how he first met Ethan, taking him home as a foster, introducing him to his family and his house full of dogs, and what it's been like getting to know him and welcoming him as a permanent member of his family. So make sure you tune in next week. Now that you know how Ethan's journey started, so you can find out how he found his way home. And definitely keep an eye on the Kentucky Humane Society's Facebook page. You'll see some Ethan updates, but you'll also get to see all of the other animals that are coming through the Humane Society. You'll see stories like debonairs, like slashes, and all of the other animals that are receiving specialized care from our incredible veterinary team. So be sure to keep an eye on the Kentucky Humane Society's Facebook page to see so many of the animals that are receiving help thanks to Ethan's legacy and all of the attention and support that he's brought to the life-saving care that we're able to give animals here. Jackie, is there anything else that you want to share with us before we go today? The only thing that I would say is to, like we said before, if you can't donate money or if you don't really have a whole lot even just donating time volunteering fostering any of those things are helpful to us and 
just let us take care of more animals that wouldn't normally have care. Jackie, thank you again for coming on and talking to us. You are always a fantastic guest. So appreciate having you. And everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Sit, Stay, Listen today. If you want to be able to follow Ethan, Ethan has his very own Facebook page and his very own Instagram account. Under Ethan Almighty, all one word. This has been Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. I'm your host, Kate Sale, answering your questions about your pets and talking to you about what is going on in the pet community here in Louisville. Send those questions to us at behavior at kyhumane.org or to the Kentucky Humane Society Facebook page. And don't forget to go to our website, forwardradio.org, and support us during our pledge drive. We are here because of you. Everybody take care. Have a great rest of your day.